everybody. Welcome back to Punk Till I Die podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and we are on episode number 30. Yep, we and are zooming. I was going to say, Neil, is that is that a milestone worth recognizing, you think? Or because we're just, we plan to make a thousand, is 30 not even not even a speed bump for us at this well, point? Well, I, I tell you what, it is kind of crazy. A thousand. We'll be dead before that. Forget that. Maybe not a thousand. A thousand. Maybe, maybe hundreds. We'll so, someone else someone else will have, will, have, will have taken over the mantle by we'll, then, anyways. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be like Kiss, you know? We'll just let someone else put the makeup on and take over for us and, exactly. and keep going. No one could sound like this, though. Come on, let's and the face names it. will be slightly different. Like it'll be like, <laughs> you know, Livermore Neil and like uh, Tom Temper Tantrum or something. You know, it'll be like just slightly different. Tom Temper Tantrum, I like it. So, um, yeah, yeah well, Tantrum, that was that was a good one. Well, thirty is pretty. Second. Thirty is pretty crazy, though, man. Considering this was just a this was. When just, did we record the first one? Like October, November? It was November, I think, and we was just. Oh no, it was before Halloween. Because was it before Halloween? Because Halloween was fast. So, okay. so it was it, like maybe mid October. Yeah, it was, it was right about then. So basically, there's been snow on the ground the entire time that we've been recording this we, we plan, podcast. Yeah. Well, we planned for like a year just talking about what we would do. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, okay, we'll start now. I mean, then when it came to actual planning, like of the actual shows, yeah. we just sort of jumped right into it. And uh, man, I tell you what, I, I really have been feeling a lot of love this week. So I just want to hey say thanks to everybody who's been listening. We've had a lot of people reach out to us, and uh, I think you know, as much as the country is in a horrible state, uh, it's definitely got some more people listening to us. So you know, if there's an upside to the apocalypse, it's you know, <laughs> well, that's, that's good. surging in popularity. And the fact of the matter is, uh, we you know we're gonna try to give you as much content as we can. You got you got time to listen to it. So yeah, yeah, we seem to have a, quite a few new listeners, um, and some of them are writing in too, which is cool. So welcome aboard, some, everybody. Some potential for some, you know, some really solid kind of big, at least in the spectrum of punk name guests. You know, and the fact of the matter is, we've always said we don't care if a, a guest is a a big name if they got a good story. I, I don't I don't care if they're you know if they're not right. known at all. I'm happy to right. help them promote a small band too, but it's always cool I think to get some of the little bigger bands on just because you know obviously it gives a potential to you know whole new crack, audience crack yeah. into their you know crack into their fan base or whatever. So. But like talking of talking of new listeners, okay, so let's say you were going to start listening to a new podcast. Yes. So, I mean, this is interesting because these people were coming in and they started at number one. So where would you go if you were listening to a new podcast? Would you go back to number one or would you start on the latest one? I think I would try to keep up and listen to the back ones as I had time. Yeah, that's probably what I would do, too. I mean, admittedly, we don't have that many, but still, you know, that's still a lot of listening. There were some milestones for us. You know, I think the first ones are, are pretty listenable. I mean, I think they're pretty good, but I think we definitely got better as we went and we've kind of figured some things out and we've abandoned some things and maybe we'll go back to some of those things but but like you know we had our first guest at episode 10 yep who honestly was a, a a friend in our small little world but it was good you know and i think was it number 13 we had ba from sloppy seconds which it yep. was a pretty big get for uh, you know for us i mean I, I have a connection you know somewhat connection to the band obviously um and uh you know, we just, you know, we had Dave from the Parasites recently and we, you know, we've had like Matt's Matt from the record farm, who's a good friend of ours, who was a great guest, but not really somebody, you know, known too much outside of our little, our little world. And, uh, 17, so was, you know, 17 was Rick Sims. Uh, yeah. Rick Sims, which honestly, I think that if there was a breakthrough episode for us, it has to be the Rick Sims episode. I rarely go back and listen to what we've done, but I, I oh, had that's a, nice. 
I had time this week and I listened to number 17 and I got to tell you, that's funny. If, if anybody's listening to this and they haven't caught up yet, number 17 with Rick Sims from the digits, it's classic. It definitely, it was the first episode where with the ball breaking, just, just took it to the next level. And, and which was the, uh, which, which was Todd Evans? Was that? I think that was like 22 or something. That was, that was just a wild white knuckle that was a wild ride <laughs> right i i would i would uh call that something similar yeah it was in the early 20s as all uh todd evans from guar and uh, frontman of mobile death camp great great fun great guy um but that felt like you know like when you're a kid and you're sliding down a hill and the hill is way too steep and you're going way faster than you want to and you know you're totally screwed so you just <laughs> hold on for dear life you know you're probably gonna wipe out but yeah it was number 22 that's what it was yeah yeah and then, that was uh, a good one too you know and so anyway it, it, it's it's been fun and I, I think, uh, you know, even though we have had less to talk about since we can't leave our homes, I think we still, uh, I think we're still excited about doing this. I mean, I think we still, I, I mean, I'm still really enjoying it. I haven't really hit a, we haven't really had that like spot that we've hit a wall that we have to push through. Yeah. So, what, what are we going to talk about next? Yeah. We haven't hit that yeah, yet yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, or we'll make a list of things we want to talk about and then, uh, we'll talk, never even get to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what we've been doing now, this is this is going to be third of basically like a four-part series. And I don't know if I explained it very well last week, so I'll try to do a little better this week. You know, everybody's sitting home and nobody, everybody's bored and on Facebook or whatever. So there was a thing going around, and it was favorite gigs of each letter of the alphabet, A through Z. And, uh, you know, you and I both did a list, and we've been going through our our list. And this, like I said, is the third part. We got through, let's see, where did we stop? Oh, where we, we stopped last We stopped at N. N N yeah N O oh, yeah yeah we stopped at N last time so it's end up it's gonna end up being like a four a four part series so yes so you know tell some old stories about you know back in the old days when you could go to gigs yeah remember gigs this would be like when, this would be like when we're old men with our long white beard sitting on the top of the mountain and people will come sit at our feet and they'll say oh Yogi tell us of what it was like back when people used to be able to gather in the same room and listen to live music and we'll regale them with our tales yeah well all they have to do is listen to this. Yeah, exactly. We've got it all here. We're doing That's this true. for posterity, we folks. Go, we can go back and listen to this after we've lost our mind to hopefully still recall. What do you mean, when? Some of the, <laughs> some of the stories that we already forgot. Uh, so, yeah, so we're up to O. Yep. So, do you want to take, uh, you want to take yeah, your I'll, O? I'll start at O because I don't have a great punk O. I, I have a couple of great metal O's, and my favorite one is probably going to be Overkill. Overkill. I don't, great, even, I don't even know, know who that is. So tell me about great Overkill from New Jersey, inspired okay. by uh, a Motorhead, I think, at least a little bit. Very uh, much a working man's blue collar thrash band. Have put out like something like like thirty albums or something, and uh, they're very good. And I've seen them quite a few times over the years. But I remember especially seeing them at the old intersection. Oh, it would have been in the '90s sometime, and it was just just very good. Great band. They famously covered the. Uh, old canadian subhuman song uh fuck you you know that song i do not know that song yeah what you say fuck you you don't know that song no don't think oh, so man i'll have to play that on the r-rated episode yeah man i think we're yeah see that's one we've been planning for about <laughs> three well, months yeah. and we still haven't gotten to that one yet just, we're just leading people along yeah yeah well that one that yeah well i might not i mean i know i know Oh, you said subhumans, right? Not. I was thinking DOA. You were saying subhumans, and I was thinking yeah, Canadian DOA. subhumans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess I don't know that song at all. So you'll have to uh, surprise me with that one at some point. Yeah, I know Screeching Weasel covered it. DOA did cover it, Neil. Okay. 
So that, that if you're thinking the DOA song, that is the cover of the subunit. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Or, they were contemporaries. I think both from Vancouver. I don't know. If I'm wrong, someone's yelling right now. Mm, if only we had someone we know in Canada who'd be happy to uh, tell us uh, about that. Those Canadians, man. <laughs> yeah. The cure is worse than the disease. <laughs> so what about you? I know you have a couple of real cool O's, but well, I know... I, well, hold on I'm, a second. So, yeah. I mean, but yeah. is that it? Is that it for your overkill story? Nothing fun happened at the story? There was no girls getting their boobs out or anything? <laughs> well, geez, Neil, every, every show can't be about boobs. As a matter of fact, you know, you know as well as I do, most punk shows are very... Uh, yeah, you said these guys, of, are, these guys are metal, you said, so I thought that was I, obligatory I, at metal yeah, shows. Thrash was a different thing, man. Thrash was, I'm telling you, it was, it was almost, a lot of ways, I think Thrash was a more natural follow-up to punk and hardcore, as opposed to, like, beach slang or some of these horrible, kind of wimpy punk bands that are these so-called punk bands today. Yeah. So that was definitely male-dominated I mean, there was some girls. Don't get me wrong, but no, no, it was just, it was just, it was a great show. But you know, and that's going forward. Picking some of these letters, I definitely picked some that might not be as impressive of bands, but because I have a greater story about the show. But in this case, no, nah, I don't really have a great one. Okay, so were they considered part of like the the New York crossover scene, or because they were from New no, Jersey, they, they, were, they didn't? They were, so they always talk about the Big Four Thrash, right? And I'm sure you don't know those what that is off the top of your head because you're so anti metal. I'd say Slayer. Yep. Let me see how many I get. Slayer, Megadeth. Um, does, does Metallica count? Yep. Wow. I've got three of them. Uh, I don't know the fourth. Positive headbanger. Well, let me, let me give you a, a hint. Okay. There was a British anarcho punk band of the same name. Okay. You give up. Anthrax. Oh, oh, okay. Anthrax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I should have known that. Yeah. And I've never heard the British band actually, but I'm a huge fan of the New York Anthrax. Um, they were one of the best, most fun kind of punky thrash bands um and then after that there's like a second wave that was like or there's like the next four biggest ones are like exodus overkill death angel and uh exodus overkill and striper (laughs) (laughs) oh and testament so those would be like the next four so after they'd be like just like not quite as big as those top four even though if we're being honest those other all the big four i mean metallica sold more records than than the next 15 biggest thrash bands, you know, combined, right? Like, I don't like Slayer never was a huge seller. I think Anthrax had a couple of couple albums that sold okay, and Megadeth had a couple of big albums, but I mean, Metallica was definitely the the, the 500 pound grill in the middle of the room, you know. And when you say Exodus, I for some reason I always think they're a reggae band, I think because of the, oh, Bob, the Bob like Marley Bob album, Marley yeah, band, no, yeah, they were a Bay Area, great Bay Area, Bay Area thrash <laughs> band, still around. All right. Well, my O, um, I do have a few. I mean, a lot of people had a hard time with O, but I actually, I had, I was like spoiled for choice to tell you the truth. But the O I'm going to do is, uh, actually, it's relatively unknown, but it's a decent story. Uh, it's the Offenders from, uh, who are from are Texas. They rel- are they relatively unknown? I th- well, I, th- I think, I bet if you asked most modern day punks, they'd have I no idea. Who they f- little, I suppose we kind of do have a little old man yeah. cult going. Yeah, I mean, I bet I bet they'd have no idea who the Offenders were. So, the Offenders were a hardcore band from Texas, yep. um, from like the I think from like the late seventies to the mid eighties. Were they that? Were they that early on? Huh. Um, I yeah, I think because their first album was eighty. Was it eighty two or something? Eighty three. Um, but anyway, I saw them in eighty. I think I saw them in eighty three. Um, oh, Champagne. Yeah, in Champagne. Um, 
<laughs> it, Did it was, uh, Mick Wilson open? No, no, this was before Mick Wilson. So '83 <laughs> was before was when I was still a student. So I was still a student. I was a student from 83 to 84. Then I went back and graduated in Manchester and then um, came back in 85. So in 83, I was hanging around with um, a lot of the high school punks in Champagne. And then there was one punk band called the Breeders. Um, obviously not the Kim Deal Breeders. Yeah. Um, At least in private conversation. Yeah. There were, there were three piece. They were good. And they used to book shows. They used to get hardcore bands to come through. And this was a really good one. So the Offenders headlined and Articles of Faith was second on the bill mm. from Chicago. Chicago. And then, band. and then the Breeders opened great up. Great humorless hardcore band. Yes. Um, and they booked this weird like VFW hall or something in the middle oh, yeah. of downtown Champaign on like a, I think it was like a Saturday or a Sunday night. Mm. Um, it was it was just a let me tell you this it was just a very strange day because the school newspaper which was called the Daily Illini the student run newspaper okay. uh, so this is eighty three so they decided to do an article on punks on campus <laughs> <laughs> they talked to a young Neil yeah um so the so I was hanging you know it was with the breeders basically and um a couple of other the other punks including American Neil which is why I was called Liverpool Neil because there was an American Neil. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that's where that came from. So they, like, interviewed us and um, followed us around campus for, like, three hours, this reporter and stuff, tried to get us to do all kinds of punk rock things, like go in the frat bar and start a fight and stuff like that. And it was just like, no, just leave us the fuck alone. Just ask us the questions and go just away. Just, like, please be more of a stereotype. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that happened, and then there was this show at night. So it was it was it was a really odd and unusual day, but um, Articles of Faith were probably still one of the most confrontational bands I've ever seen. Because even though there was a small crowd and obviously everybody was there, you know there was probably only about forty fifty people there, and they were everybody was there to see the show. There was nobody there that wasn't interested. But uh, Vic Bondi still the singer from Articles of Faith still decided to like jump into the crowd and was like yelling in people's faces and shit and <laughs> taking it all very very seriously right but they were good they were super intense and they were using really people being Nazis yeah <laughs> seriously man it was uh yeah it was a bit over the top but it was was what it was <laughs> they were such a great band though oh man I love their, uh, their yeah. music yeah so um and then after them the offenders played and the offenders unfortunately the sound wasn't great but um shocking a vfw hall show put on by a, well, a 18 year old kid well here's the th well here's the thing though Probably didn't have monitors or anything articles of faith sounded great hmm. so i mean that that that's always that's always surprised me actually and you'll see that a lot sometimes is the opening band will actually sound better than the than the headline because they band. get to do their sound check first probably you might be right and the, and the offenders might have actually just arrived from from wherever they previously had been on the road right um yeah. it's entirely possible but anyway so the offenders were great but they uh very different uh, very different crew. They, they didn't talk to anyone really before or after the show. And hmm. I think from what I remember, they jumped back in the van and were gone. Took their right 50 right after bucks the and headed up to Chicago yep. or wherever they're going. So. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was a that was a really, hmm. really memorable show. Yeah, it was it hmm. was fun. So in memory of that, I am going to play um, a song by The Offenders. I'm actually going to play uh, Face Down in the Dirt, which... 
is off their second album from 85 called Endless Struggle. But it was also on that Peace compilation, that double album. I don't know if you're, you remember that. We talked about that mm-hmm. before, I think. And that came out before, so I already, I already knew that song. So anyway, this is Face Down in the Dirt by The Offenders. Face Down in the Dirt by The Offenders. Um, yeah, they were one of those bands that uh, were, I, I wouldn't say unknown, but they certainly weren't as known as obviously like the Dead Kennedys or, you know, Minor Threat or any of those other yeah. bands, right? But, well, but, the te- so many Texas bands, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I, I, I told you, I have a double LP that has like everything they ever did in the studio and on two LPs is on uh, Southern Lord, which is a cool California label. So I think that that stuff is actually still fairly available so if you want to check out the offenders i think you can find it yeah that that second album is called endless struggle and the first album was we must rebel um good good stuff though yeah good good band so you're gonna go from a hardcore show at a vfw hall to now you're gonna go to p and you're gonna what you you gotta be moving to a theater or something right shit hold on one second you forget (laughs) psychedelic first i did yeah you got me you got me there psychedelic first i forgot just yeah i'm sort of jealous because i actually like that band even though they're yeah, definitely not a, a punk band per se. Definitely more of a new wave band, but good rock and roll band. Yeah. Um. See, I had. It was one of those ones where I had any. Uh, well, you hate to boast, right? But I had any number of peas. What the hell are we doing here, Neil? Yeah, I you know. Hate to boast, right? Hate to ball, man. Uh, but uh, I think one of the things I wanted to say. So I saw the psychedelic furs quite a few times. I mean, I love their. I love their first uh, three albums. They they got when they moved to the states they became a little they became a bit too commercial. After that, especially when uh, Pretty in Pink broke, you know, with the movie and yeah. all that stuff, and they started to get ideas above themselves. And the original band kind of split up, and it was only the two brothers at that point with a, some other guys. But um, anyway, the early stuff, the first album, I think, is the first two albums you you have to have, even if you're a, not a fan of like new wave or whatever you would call that um they just i have their greatest (laughs) okay well (laughs) i know you love that well i'm sure they're probably most of the stuff is off the first three albums 
Probably. I would imagine off their greatest hits. And the funny thing is, I actually they actually played Taste of Skokie or Skokie Fest or whatever the hell it's nice. called like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, three or four years ago. That was a. That it's was a funny. Good one. Every now and then you say, "Well, they played." I mean, I think with Blue Oyster Cult one time you were saying, "Yeah, that. No, <laughs> yeah." Like, yeah. Look, first boy, they they're eclectic if nothing else, huh? Well, they did. Okay, so they did the psychedelic furs, and Dude, then the next year, up, see who, who's playing this year. I'm gonna have to come up for Taste of Skokie. We might have to go hit that. Yeah, who know? Who knows if it'll leave me on this year? But yeah, it, it, it's like they seem to do a kind. Of all the 80s. members of all the members of Canvas or Kansas currently had COVID have COVID nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. We could only hope. Um, no, that was mean. Um, yeah, so they played. They played like three years. So they'll seem to have like one decent band one year, and then the next year they'll have Loop Blue Oyster Cult, and then they'll have the Alarm and Material Issue, Ooh. and the year after that they'll have War. Well, so you know, so it's really weird, right? It's like every year is slightly different. It's like whoever's available for two thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like but, so, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what um, is the taste of Skokie? I imagine it to be maybe a little smoky with just a little, uh, I don't know, a little residue. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, man. Whatever, you, whatever you say. That's my. That's just my apartment. Um, yes. But the one I wanted to talk about particularly was the first time I saw the psychedelic furs was in eighty. Four, I believe at um, so you've heard of Factory Records right obviously Joy Division mm. Tony Wilson all that stuff New Order so sure. their big thing was one of the big things they opened a club in Manchester called the Hacienda mm. which has a very I mean it's became it's become almost legendary at this point but um, and it's it closed like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever. I, I'm probably got that date wrong. But uh, so it was legendary. It was done. It was super like industrial, like all the, it was like an old factory or something and had lots of yellow and re, uh, yellow and black tape and stuff. And, it, you know, they, they kept it looking very industrial, right? And everybody, like it was the place to go. Everybody that was anybody wanted to be seen there. But the, there was a bar upstairs. And so everybody would stay up there and the bands would play downstairs. So it just got to be the place where there was like, hangers on and liggers and pseudos and stuff like that you know anyone who wanted to be seen basically <clears throat> but meanwhile they had some great bands downstairs like i saw the gun club there i saw the psychedelic furs there i saw the, like early smith's gigs were there um, so how, how big are we talking about here like hundreds um yeah because, like be, because it no it was probably i'd say about six seven hundred maybe but okay. like so you decent know. size for a club but not big place to see the smiths no and um so there was an upstairs too. So downstairs was probably three, four hundred, I would say, by where the bands oh, were. Oh, and upstairs was bigger. Yeah, oh, yeah, and upstairs, upstairs was bigger. But people, like I said, they up there they didn't want to really be watching the bands. You know, that mm. wasn't what that was about. That was just being seen, being seen, right? See, seeing people and being seen. So um, anyway, I saw the psychedelic furs there, and they were fantastic. And uh, I lost a bunch of badges. It was very upsetting. But anyway. Ugh. Yeah, that was I hate my. Because you drank too much. Um, I don't know. I was I was just bopping about, I guess, and I don't know. Ah. I don't know what happened, but anyway. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. That's my pee. So uh, you tell me about your pee now, T. You know my best. You know my my best pee. The one that I was originally planning on was Poison Idea, and the reason is just because they're they're a Northwest band, right? They're from Oregon or something like that. Yep. Exactly. Very rarely get through the Midwest, and they a few years ago they played Grand Rapids, and I was able to see them up close and personal with about a hundred other punks who show up for those kind of shows here in Grand Rapids. No, and, and it was really cool, but it wasn't it wasn't an amazing show. It wasn't anything particularly, you know, interesting about it. So I actually am going to bring up a different band. 
Okay, well, but just just let me ask you about Poison Idea a second, because they're one yeah. of those bands that's kind of legendary, and lots of people mention them, but yeah. a lot of, you know... I. On a Sunday night in Grand Rapids, they do not draw a big crowd. Yeah, I'm, is one of the original members dead? Or what, uh, yeah, what Pig Champion, the big fat guitar player. Pig Champion. So was he there when you saw them or not? No, no, no. But okay. it, but there was a couple of old, the three of the five were, if it were not originals, but the singer's the only original one left, but three of the five were old school guys. See, it's funny. They've, had, get, they've had a ton of members over the years. Even though they don't sound anything like them, I get them confused with Screaming Trees sometimes because they had another huge, big, fat guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the singer used to be really big too, but he's he's quite slim now. His name is Jerry. And they were from Portland as well, I believe. Jerry so Lang. I, th- I think that's why I get them confused, right? They were. Well, the, the Screaming Trees were part of that like nation grunge scene. Right. I actually saw them, believe it or not, at a club, the same club I was talking about seeing that early Overkill show at. I was the first time I ever went in there. I think it was 19. I think it had to be 19 to get in. I can't remember. So it would have been like 92. They had a huge hit on the single soundtrack, which was, I think we've talked about that. And you were not impressed, right? We're talking about like that, <laughs> that like grunge. It was like a love story essentially, but it had Oh yeah, you talked about that. Backdrop. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool soundtrack. I'm not a, I'm not a big soundtrack guy. I can count on probably one hand the amount of them that I really care about, even though I bought quite a few over the years. But Yeah, I saw them warming up for the Buzzcocks, I think. One of the, one of those... Who's that? 90s. Screaming Trees? Yeah, one of those two thousand, wow. one of those mid nineties, um, one of those mid nineties Buzzcocks tours. You know who else I saw opening up for the Buzzcocks? Hmm. Smashing Pumpkins. Wow. Yep. That's weird. Yep. That was before huh. they before they got big at all. So that would probably be in nineteen ninety one, something I, like I, that. I, I never hated the Smashing Pumpkins, and they're playing a club here. So just for just for the fun of it, I went over there and looked at the tickets, and it was seventy bucks for standing room. I'm like, no way. I, I would probably pay half that just for a little nostalgia, but I wouldn't. I would not pay seventy bucks to. We don't even know who's in the band these days. Apart well, from, Billy Corgan, there's face. two of the. I think two of the four. Yeah. From their heyday, but they've they've done a lot musically. I like their kind of early sound more than their when they got real experimental and all that. And I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, but I'm just saying I didn't really dislike their first couple albums. Did you know that he owns a wrestling federation? Did you know that? I, I know he did. I don't know if that's still going or not. Yeah, TNA, I believe. At least he was. And he was he was involved with I know that, you're a big wrestling fan. I'm not a, I'm not a wrestling guy. Yeah. Um at least not after like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling on Saturday morning cartoons whatever year that was. <laughs> a young Tom like was 80, running ra- was 80, running around 86. the house with his Hulk Hogan doll wrestling. Well, you it. know what the problem was? I I wrestled in in school. And so I watched wrestling. I did every kids. Friday night. <laughs> and then I, Never but then I got, I, I actually was on the wrestling team and whatnot. And it was just, I mean, to, to follow pro wrestling and be a wrestler was, it, it just wasn't, they, they, they couldn't have been more different. You sure. know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the difference between riding a pedal bike and an Indy 500 car or something, you know? Yeah. So anyway, getting so, back to your pay, I'm sorry. I took us yeah, down so the path my, there. My, so anyway, but the, the one I want to actually, the memory, the trip I want to take down memory lane is a band called the pissed and P-I-S-T? it's P I S T. Yes. Okay. And they were from Connecticut, which, you know, all the great hardcore street punk bands are from Connecticut, right? Cause <laughs> you it's, say it's so, funny. It, it's still, it's like Connecticut, man. It, what are they so angry about? What are they angry about in Connecticut? Neil? Right. What are, what are, but, but they were a great band. Yeah. Called the pissed. And a matter of fact, if you want to go full circle here, on the very first episode, you played a Crucifix song, and I played I a caustic. I played a song by a band called Caustic Christ that kind of related to that Crucifix song, yep. and it was called "Doesn't Anybody Want to Impress Jodie Foster Anymore?" Yes, sir. And that I, I think it was the singer, but I, I'm not positive. But some of the guys from the Piss actually went on to form Caustic Christ. So, oh, interesting. Okay, so we're drawing circles here. I think yep. they were out of 
Pittsburgh, but I'm not 100% on that. Um, but, you know, so you were talking about booking shows at VFW and stuff. Back in the, the back in those days, a lot of us booked shows. I booked shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, always for my own band. You know, if I would, I would rent a VFW hall and I was usually the touch point for my bands and, you know, I'd get the other bands, I'd pay the other bands, I'd set up the PA, I'd, I'd would handle all that stuff, you know, but a lot of people wanted to try to get into that back in the day. So this would have been about mid nineties. We were really active in the scene there, went to almost all the shows. So this kid that we knew that we were kind of friendly with, uh, wanted to kind of, was trying to get in the, trying to get in the punk scene. And this guy was, he, you know, he was, he was definitely an outsider, mm-hmm. but he was trying to become a cool, a cool punk guy. And later on, we found out this guy was a huge backstabbing piece of crap, and I got no use for him. And and even though now as an adult, like in my 40s, I look at him and go, this is just a sad kid who was a big fat kid who lived with his grandma who was just trying to make friends. But his way of making friends was to try to turn us against each other ultimately. Hmm. To you know, you yeah, know that yeah. kind of yep. that kind of a sad. So yep. like I said, now I see it more as a tragic situation. At the time, it was just like, ah, screw him, you know. Um. So, so we always were looking for interesting places to book shows. So this is place in Grand Rapids. And I know years later it became a pretty popular spot. So it, it survived as a venue, but this was, I believe the first show they ever did there. I think it was called 10 Oaks or something Oaks. It was on Oak street and the, it was just the address, but it was this fancy schmancy kind of art gallery place. And it was like 100% carpeted. And the stage had like these carpeted steps that went up to the stage and this it was sounds, a nice space. This it sounds nice like space. a disaster waiting to happen oh, for dude, a punk show though. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> no question about it. It was too nice. Yeah. You know, you can't have carpet. Everybody smoked back in those days, you know? Yep. And, but, and nobody smoked, was smoking inside that I remember, but, but it was, you know, it had these carpeted stairs and it was just, it was just so, it was like for like dance recitals and stuff, you know, mm. had no, you know, it was like an open room. It didn't have seats or anything in it, but you know, this guy had his grandma's car and parked it in the alley. And, you know, so we're all drinking in the alley, of course. There's no alcohol in this place, right? And and just, like, smoking and throwing cigarette butts on his car and throwing beer bottles on his grandma's car. <laughs> just generally <laughs> big, very, very disrespectful. First band plays. I have no recollection of who the first band was. I'm sure somebody in Grand Rapids could remind me. And then last week I talked about one of my favorite bands, from, or my very favorite band from Grand Rapids of all time, the Crabs. They played next. Played a great set, I remember. Um, it's funny after that show, uh, the, the, one of the crabs that I'm still in touch with actually reached out about trying to get his, get that music on the internet that I was complaining. Yeah, I yeah, can't. Yeah. So meanwhile, I'm totally technology challenged, but I'm going to try to help him out, try to do, you know, do some worthwhile, do a worthwhile project for once. Right. With all my free time, supposedly. But anyway, so they played and it was great. And then, um, the headliner, the pissed from Connecticut came on and played, I think, two songs before the Grand Rapids Police Department came bursting in and shut the show down. Holy shit. Now, why? <laughs> I think because of the the scene in the alley. Uh, you bastard. See what you did? Well, you got a, well, you got a guy parked in there that's not supposed to be in there. And then you got all underage kids drinking and everything else. You know, I, I, yeah. I assume that's what it was. Hmm. I guess I'm actually not 100%. But, you know, the thing is, so we're just kids, you know. I mean, I was probably... 21 22 right so what are we talking about mid 90s here yeah mid 90s okay. I, I i would guess 95 but i'm not i'm not 100 i could probably figure it out because i know i bought a record at that i bought a seven inch record that i still have at that thing and it was a relative you know it was probably a new release at the time but anyway 
<laughs> so the funny thing is we're all just standing there kind of tense and the cops are kicking us out and I'm just, and, and I think all of us were waiting for someone else to like rebel, you know, mm-hmm. like we wanted to, we had this band, the Piss were an anarchist punk band, anti government. I mean, they had several anti-cop songs and we were just waiting for them to lead us in rebellion against <laughs> these cops. It was the time. But Rise they're up. like, but honestly, they're like, we got to go to the next show. They started packing their stuff up and left. They, they, they were, it was just like, we're not going to jail in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Well, and I don't blame them as an adult. Him. I right. don't blame them. Right. But at the time it was like, come on, all we need is a leader. You know, we're ready to start throwing cops at the, throwing rocks at these cops. Yeah. Okay. I just want to scream F you at the cops, but I'm like, I don't have the courage to do it on my own. I need someone to lead me. <laughs> but they're like, no way, man. We ain't going to jail. So anyway. Well, that's yeah, why saw, you, that's why so you use a fat those guy. Two songs and that's it. I think they broke up the next year, or the year after and that was it. Oh dear. Their stuff is also all available on vinyl through Havoc Records if anybody's interested. It's good stuff. It's uh, So actually, yeah, we're going to play one of their songs and people can check it out. It's very harsh, kind of street punky, hardcore, anarcho type stuff. If you like like Os Rotten or, or that type of thing, I think you'll dig it. Um, so yeah, let's play, a, let's play a Piss song in honor of those two. Those two you know, songs. I managed to buy a bunch of merch at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> before we shut down. Well, let's play a Piss song. This is, uh, I think. This is from their only LP, which is called Ideas Are Bulletproof. Great album. Uh, The song is called uh, Textbook Salvation. I sat in your classroom and listened to you say Resign your mind to what's inside and learn to think Awakened from this useless data and repeat it back to me Incorporate, regurgitate, straight-aid philosophy You are the system, the red, white, and blue. The lies you are teaching now start to show through. Speak only what you're spoken to. Never raise your voice. If I'm submission in the youth world, they still have no time. If putting walls out for bullshit, and they push it out. A wealth of worthless facts won't help you fire on like a bow. You are the system we hold in contempt And we close up our suit, the lies you present Calculated imagination We'll accept no deviation You call this an education Mandatory suffocation to fire backward system Show my heresies Okay. Textbook salvation from the pissed. Um, you said you got a forty-five. Was it? The, it was a split forty-five because that's all I'm seeing here on Discord. No, no, it's called. Um... Oh, let me get my phone. Forget it. Anyway, you go ahead. I'll look. Destroy it up. society. You, you go... Is that it? Destroy society. That's yeah. That was in, came out in ninety-three. Okay, it wasn't ninety-three. It was later than that. Okay. It was ninety-four, ninety-five. I okay. don't know. All right. I'm, you know, you've been pretty good over the years at saving flyers and stuff. I can tell you're much better at than, than I am. I haven't. I don't have that much of that stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. And obviously, 
the shows had no tickets or anything at that point. It was just, you know, five bucks at the gate or whatever. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, we might have crashed the dude's grandma's car and we might have ruined the venue for the next several shows, but we paid our five bucks. Well, so do you think they even had more shows? I mean, I'm assuming no, I, the car picked up. It to be a pretty good venue. Okay. But I think that was the first first shot at it. And that was yeah. probably not the right show for that venue. Right. But, you know, we only had so many places. We couldn't really do bars. Right. We, you know, like I used to rent, like I, I did a few different, I did a couple of VFW shows here in our little town, which was about 3,500 people at that time. And then we, there was a popular place in, in a town called Grand Haven, which is a beach town here on Lake Michigan. And there you could make some serious coin doing that. It was like one of the few profitable gigs, honestly. Oh, that's interesting. Because you get a, charge three bucks a piece, but you might get 200 kids through the gate, you know? Mm-hmm. Other bands, if they got $100 or $50, most of them were thrilled, you know? Right. If they got paid at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. we always we always paid. Yeah. I don't think we were in a situation where we couldn't pay where we threw the show. But I've been on the other end of that many, many times over the years. So. Yeah, I tell, I tell tell you what, down in uh, down at U of I, <clears throat> down in Champaign where I lived after I so it was a college down there and then when I came back to the states in 85, I lived down there for another 4 years. So we were actually spoiled down there with the amount of venues that we had. You know, with either bars or, you know, things like the VFW or Channing Murray or some of the other, like, um, kind of hippie places. Or, you know, we'd have house shows. So yeah. we watch it. Or, or even at U of I, you know, there was a, there was a couple of places at U of I where, where you could play. So, yeah, we were spoiled for choice down there. Really lucky. Yeah. the I mean, and all touring bands came through. They'd play Chicago and they'd play Champagne Because they'd always yeah, get... I mean... We definitely preferred. I love playing houses and garages and stuff like that. We did a lot of that. I mean, we played bars and yeah. clubs or wherever we we'd play wherever we could play. I mean, there was nowhere we wouldn't play. We played in backyards. We played, you know, wherever. Yeah, yeah. I so. played. We McWilson played on the quad once. I think that might have been our last show. Yeah, yeah. That was free. So what? All day what's one. your what? What is your cue? That's cue. another one. A lot of people seem to struggle with, but I actually had a handful of them. Oh, you I did? Saw Quiet, I, mean, I saw Quiet Riot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does that Multiple count times. though? <laughs> I mean, this is my era, dude. <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah q was a difficult one it was a difficult one for me actually um even though i found out later that um the riot fest in 2006 that i went to that i was talking about naked ray gun last week yep when i looked at the bill the flyer the queers played that day so i actually have seen the queers so i actually could have put the queers on there. i lost I think I lost you there. Who, oh, the queers. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the okay. queers. Yeah. So you want um, the queers or you want the queers? No, you don't even remember seeing a place. So I don't know if that's a very good. No, it's not. It's not. And I mean, I know I only found that out when I when I was looked at the uh, 2006 Riot Fest bill well, uh, I, last I week. I told you. I mean, I told you. I think I just told you today that I I try to write the opening like a lot of times because I always have ticket stubs. You know, I, whenever I can, I still get tickets still to this day. Yeah. But I always try to write the openers on the back. So yeah, in that two thousand and six one, two thousand and six one, I guess mustard plug played as well. So I've seen yeah. I've seen mustard plug at least a couple times. Um, <laughs> Naked Reagan headlined. I, I, and, my local dudes here. I'm sure at some point they'll have some representation here on. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and the business played and anyway, so I have seen the queers, but they weren't my cue. Uh, my cue was a psychabilly slash rockabilly band called the Quakes. And, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not ideal. It doesn't fit in with this perfectly, but it's, a, it's a cue when it was cues were, cues were difficult. So, um, yeah, I saw the Quakes, I think at Reggie's, um, headlining or yeah, yeah, they were, <clears throat> I think they're still going rockabilly slash psychabilly band from, I think they're from California. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with them at all. Yeah, the the first album is modeled almost entirely off of the uh, first Stray Cats album. They even did mm-hmm. a they, they did a copy of the cover and stuff. Even though it's not a, they don't do covers of the Stray Cats songs, but the cover is an exact rip off of the Clearly first Stray homage. Cats album. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the leads... I, well, I'm glad to hear you didn't see Queen, man. I was no, a little fearful no, that you didn't no, see so Queen we... back in the day. No, my brother did. My brother saw them in like '74 or something. Yeah, but they're uh... one of those bands, and we're gonna do this show sometime. Well, you, you know, you mentioned it before, and we're not doing it today, but sometime we're going to do a show where we talk about bands that we just dislike. And Queen are one of those bands that, they're, they're just, they, man, they rub me wrong. Yep. Yeah, that, that'll be a good show, actually. I think we'll enjoy doing that Not show. that I won't freaking sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever when it comes on, but I they rub me wrong. <laughs> we, have to re- we have to record that one sometime. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so the so the Quakes, yeah, they're, they're good. I mean, they were traditional rockabilly, psychabilly, uh, three-piece, you know, stand-up bass. You know all that stuff. The singer has the has the big blonde um, quiff and uh, plays a plays a hollow body Gretsch and stuff. I mean, it was it's mm. it's right in that wheelhouse. But uh, yeah, they had they had some really they had some really good songs about uh, getting chased and coming back with a gang and beating up uh, all the squares who made fun of them and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, mm. just just good angry teenage stuff. So uh, how about your cue? I think I know well, what it is, but I will do. I will do the queers. It's, it's always tricky to pick out a show, a specific show. But let's, how many times have you I'm seen like, the queers? Oh, probably probably pushing ten. I would think. Wow! Wow! Okay, they one of your I mean, favorite were, one of your favorite I, bands. I, I love the band. I'm an ever ever a defender of the band. I know Joe has kind of come under fire because he's not politically correct, and he's definitely a provocateur, kind of like your hero. Where I think he says, <laughs> I don't know who you're times. talking about. Jello Biafra? Is that it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes I think he says things just to chafe people, and people are so humorless. And, you know, unfortunately, subtle humor is lost on most people these days. Um, easily offended, too. People are easily offended these days. Yes. All you have to do is say, you know, something, and they'll immediately start calling you the R word racist, you know? I think so. The show I think I'm going to pick is the one I drove to, the, drove the furthest to get to. Because I've talked about this before, obviously, and I'm going to talk about it here again in a minute—the roots of it, actually. But that me and my pal have, you know, followed Sloppy around, and the longest we drove to see them on two separate occasions, two back-to-back occasions, we actually went down to Louisville, Kentucky. Holy shit! To see the Queers and Sloppy Seconds headline and the Queers, it was like the dream, like a, such a great bill. And it was weird because it was at one of these, like, it was at a rock club, not mm-hmm. like a punk club. And I don't think the bouncers really knew how to deal with the crowd. So that was sort of annoying. And the sound wasn't exactly right. You could tell they're usually probably usually having like Kill Switch Engage or somebody play there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was a cool show. We had fun. We uh uh got to hang out a little bit with the dudes and met some nice people and it was it was cool. So how many people it was like this giant billiards hall thing? How many people would come to a queer show in Louisville? Well, with sloppy headlining, it was one of it might be the biggest sloppy show I've ever seen, actually. Really? I mean, wow. I, I think it was definitely seven, eight hundred people. It was, it was big. Wow. For a you know small, I mean, you know, I, we talk about these bands over and over again, but sometimes you, people might get the impression that these bands are bigger than what they are. You know, sloppy's playing five hundred rooms of five hundred. Right. You know, now they're not playing. You know, they're not playing. I mean, they can play punk rock bowling. Fifteen thousand people watch them or whatever, but that's yeah, but not people are but people are there for punk rock bowling or people are yeah. there for riot fest or whatever. They're not particularly yeah. there just for sloppy, yeah. right? I get what you mean. Now, was that the only time you've been to Louisville? 
No, I've been there a handful of times, actually. Yeah, I really, I was only there once. I was driving through on the way down to Atlanta once, and uh, I really liked Louisville, though. Yeah, I thought it was a really nice city. Little, the little, the, not little, but the downtown is really nice. There's, yeah, it's uh, compact. You can walk there's around. There's a museum there. So I know, I don't know, I don't think you're a baseball fan, but I don't know. I don't think we ever talked about this, but um, the Louisville Slugger Hall of, uh, the Louisville Slugger Museum is in Louisville, as, is in the baseball manufacturer. Uh, so if you're a baseball fan, that's definitely worth checking out the Louisville Slugger Museum. It's, it's, uh, you, they do a little factory tour and they have, you know, you can actually like wearing rubber gloves or whatever, you can actually like, Swing Babe Ruth's bat and stuff. It's pretty cool. Swing Babe Ruth's bat. Okay. Yes, and I don't mean that as a euphemism. <laughs> that might be the name of the show. <laughs> so let's let's do another let's do another queer song. Uh, I, I, we have done one in the past, I know, but let's do let's do one from their most recent album, which I think was 2010. I know that they I, they are because of this uh, being hold up for this coronavirus thing i believe they're finally working on an album of new material which will be about 10 years now you say which is a, which you say is they you say they yeah. is, isn't it basically just joe queer these days yeah i don't i'm not even sure i mean dangerous dave had been playing bass with them for a number of years but they're geographically challenged so i don't know if he'll come in to record the album or if he's got other people locally because he's i think in the atlanta area now so the queers are based out of where Atlanta, Georgia, at the oh, okay. moment, or or okay. not? I don't think. I think near near Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, gotcha. Georgia ish. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if Dangerous Dave will fly in. You know, for years, uh, B Face was the bass player. The classic lineup was Joe and B Face and a guy named Hugh playing drums, but Hugh was had a brain tumor or something. He's passed away, and B Face hasn't played with him for years. So yeah, it's a guy named Dangerous Dave who was from a band called John Cougar Concentration Camp. Oh if yeah, you remember them? That's a great. From, that's a great uh, band name, from, man. They yeah. were from San Diego, I think. So he lives out concentration camp. So he lives, yeah, he lives out on the West Coast. So I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if he flies in to record or if he's got a different guy or what. But yeah, it's essentially just Joe. But yeah, they're working on a new album. I'm actually pretty excited about it. You know, they used to crank out an album every couple of years, and then they just stopped. And I don't, you know, Joe is a great songwriter. I think ultimately it might just be because it, there's just no money in making records now. There's not right. really much point in it so I, I don't know but i'd like to hear a new batch of songs so the last record like i said came out in 2010 it's great it was a great record it was like 22 minutes long but it was a great record had all these 50 something second songs on it but let's play one from that last album which was called back to the basement um and let's do keep it punk keep it punk by the queers Life's a lot more simple if you're drunk 
right, there you had Keep It Punk by the Queers. Lovely, lovely, mm-hmm. lovely name. Yeah. Um, do, do you know? Just talking about that band name. Um, do you remember? Oh, do you know a band called Pansy Division? Yes. So yeah, I mean, now they were a Bay Area. They're a Bay Area band, still around. I don't think they're real active anymore, but they're still around. But they were like gay. I mean, they were gay, gay guys. Yes. Um, and the reason and I bring they, that up I is, is the, I love the double on. They they had the best double entendres. Their album names were the best. And even Pansy Division, Panzer Division. I mean, they named it. You know, yeah. It's both gay sounding and like a mocking, like you know, Nazis. I, I just no. Funnily enough, music, the, eh. the reason I, the reason I bring it up is because John Ginoli, the main guy from Pansy Division, um, okay. I used to know him down in Champagne. Really? So yeah, he's from Champagne. I believe he's from oh, Champagne he, originally. He located in the Bay Area. No yeah. kidding. Oh, so uh, and he was in, in Champagne. He was in a band called The Outnumbered, who did like '60s style pop songs. Was he out at that time or no? Yes. Okay. He was. Yeah. Because because I mean, dude, their their album titles, you know, they'll do like uh, they like they had one called Nine Inch Males. <laughs> And they had Amazing. one that had like the cover of the classic ACDC, but it was like cock and balls. And it was called, for those about to suck cock, we salute you. <laughs> have you seen these things or no? <laughs> no, I must have been. I mean, I, I, I knew mean, that. They were just, they were so funny. They I, were, I mean, I, I always gave them points for their, I, I never really got into them musically. I mean, they weren't so different than, you know, what a lot of the lookout type bands were doing. They were a big lookout band. Right. But uh, yeah, they're still around. They've done some stuff on alternative tentacles. And... Alternative testicles. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I just, I just found it interesting that you know, back in the I mean, day, I, swear, I, try, I try to do a clean show, but I just, I, I, I can't help myself. In the in the mid '80s, when hardcore was alive and well, you know, he was in a '60s pop band, and then when <clears throat> when that scene starts dying, then he goes to the Bay Area and starts a punk band. It's just, it's just odd, you know. I mean, they're like the god, like the queer core godfathers. Yeah, and he he always had like a bowl cut. Like a very '60s kind of bowl cut kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I remember remember John well. Yeah, but uh, anyway, well, said you're not in touch. He'd be a great one to talk to. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he probably, probably doesn't remember. But he might remember the angry the angry English dude from the scene. He might remember that, I guess, because I go. did. I was memorable. Yeah, I guess. I'm on their disguise right now. Undressed, <laughs> deflowered. Wished I'd taken pictures. Hmm. That's so gay. Uh, touch, touch my Joe Camel. <laughs> Bill and Ted's homosexual adventure. <laughs> the Inch males jack you off. Okay. Uh, for those about to suck cock. Are, are you James, sure you're not on some kind of porn site right now? James Bondage. <laughs> Queer to the core. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. See, when you see all that stuff, it makes the queers just seem kind of. Well, the normal, thing is, right? the queers. You know, it was never they were. That was like a name picked to chafe people you know mm-hmm. it's so funny because now they're getting you know bashed for being like some kind of right-wing militants but the fact of the matter is they were really trying to chafe those people when they picked that name oh i see but i, I imagine you. it was yeah, yeah. it was definitely challenging to get barking as the queers yeah 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 so okay well, well I, I should I we talk once again much like our live album selections i believe we we're once again of one mind when it comes to the r's oh yeah the r was too easy wasn't it? even though there's a million r's i, I could have done oh yeah um Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Fuck no! What are you kidding? <laughs> they they would go on my list of that like most hated bands probably. I, I have to say, um, easy for easy sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they are. That was easy, right? So yeah. So how many, how many times did you see the Ramones? You, I might have already asked you this. Um, four times, I think. 
some of them get kind of lost in in memory, but I'm pretty sure I saw the Ramones four times. Yeah, the earliest being, unfortunately, I never did see like the classic lineup. Mm. Um, so Marky, so, Marky was with the band. Oh, I saw I saw the Marky lineup numerous times. Yeah, I saw that too. I know you did because you yeah. went and saw the Social D tour. Yeah. So I only saw the Marky CJ lineup. I never oh. saw DD. Okay. Yeah, I saw DD at least twice. At least hmm. tw- at least twice, yeah. Yeah, cuz if I first saw them in the what year did um Too Tough to Was, Die come out? Uh 84ish, right? It was pretty early, 84. Yeah, I guess you're right cuz I was still at school and ma- Yeah, Funny, you're right. They you're were right. already like had burned out the pop stuff and were already going yep. back to their punk roots. By yeah. 84. Yeah. So I saw them on, on whatever tour that was. Um, yeah, the Two Tough to Die tour. That's a great album. Was Underrated called. album, don't you think? Yeah, it is. It, it it doesn't sound like them particularly, but it, you know, but anyway. It definitely um, pointed to the future, but after yeah. the last, after the couple before that, I, I think it's a good album. Oh, it's a good album for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw them. That was the first time I saw them was on that on that tour and then the second time i saw them was in 89 when they did the escape from new york tour with oh, blondie. Right at the end of the end of dd yeah with blondie and um was it debbie harry solo i don't remember but it was i think it was debbie blondie. harry solo solo blondie it's the same thing at this point right yeah and I think um it was too <laughs> and who was and what did the talking heads become when they're a spin-off band oh uh tom 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 club right tom tom yeah. club yeah so i saw i saw yeah, it was the Ramones, Blondie, and Tom Tom Club. Wow, that's uh, actually a pretty cool show. Yeah, the Escape from New York. So, and what they would do it was kind of annoying. They would uh, they would flip a coin, I guess, to see who was going on first. Oh. And unfortunately, on that one, the Ramones went on first. Believe it or not, out of that lineup, the Ramones went on first. Oh. And Tom Tom Club went on last, and I left. Uh, I well, left at least you early. Yeah. Yeah, but I've still. You know what? I've still got. I've still got the T-shirt from that gig. Hmm. And that T-shirt is worth hundreds of dollars. Because huh. it was a, it was Ramones. Um, uh, what shirt was it? Lobotomy, I think. Teenage lobotomy shirt. So it's the, it's got the picture of the guy uh, with the bo- lobotomy on the front and uh, all the tour dates on the back with Escape from New York. White or like white that. or black? White, of course. Wow, of course See, I don't think white. you could have bought a white Ramones shirt when I was. Going there on, you go maybe. buddy there you go no i've still got it huh. so uh yeah i mean <laughs> lydia wants to wear it all the time but i'm like no you can't wear that one <laughs> that one that one's worth money um so yeah but you're uh, never gonna sell it so it's really not worth money it, it depends if i got if i got off a thousand dollars for it i might Wait, we, we gotta do it we should do a whole show about t-shirts because about i always t-shirts? you know my, yeah. i was just talking about that with my wife today it's like Man, I had some that I loved and I wore them forever, and that, but I just wear them until they're not really wearable anymore. But you know, you always get more, but you always have the one you mourn. You're like, oh man, I really like that one. I hate to lose it, but it yeah. happens. Yeah, always so, got to be getting new ones. <clears throat> so the three I have that I would never want to get rid of one is that Ramon shirt, um, one is a social D shirt from, um, but I think it was between Heaven and Hell tour from 91 or 92. Mm. Um, again, it's a white shirt. <sighs> back and front you know with the tour dates on the back and stuff like that and at the show i dropped it It was at the aragon i think and i dropped it and someone stopped someone stomped on it with a boot so it's got a big boot print on the back <laughs> nice <laughs> so yeah that one and now they then, do that on purpose and then um uh, paul simonon from the clash had a uh had a spin-off band um called havana 3am 
This was about wow, 93, and they were only around for, they did one album, and they were only around for a very short amount of time. But, uh, yeah, I got a I got a shirt from that gig, too, so those are the three that I would never want to get rid of. So hmm. Anyway, what's your so, Ramon story, pal? Well, you know, I, I once again, I mean, I, I think we've already talked about it. I saw them twice. For, first time was amazing. Second time, they were opening for White Zombie at a small hockey rink, Ooh. which was still cool. But, mm-hmm. but the first time was on that Social Distortion tour. It was up at a town called... It was up at Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan. It was on a Wednesday after the November. I can I have the ticket stuff, of course, but I can look it up because it was the day after the election, after Bill Clinton was elected president. So November of hmm. 1992, and it was just it was just an amazing show. And I know I've said this before, but if I could go back and watch one show again, yep. that would probably be it. That would probably make because I went to that tour too. I saw him at the Aragon in Chicago. And uh, that would probably be one of my top 10 gigs of all time, I would imagine. Yeah, but amazing. let me ask you this. Um, so that show, Ramones or Social D, which was your favorite band? I mean, uh, which was your favorite I, I might have preferred Social Distortion overall at that point, but I knew it was more significant to see the Ramones. Yeah, see, I figured that was the start of the Ramones starting to go through just go through their pace, kind of going through the motions. And maybe, but I didn't have anything else to compare. Of course. To yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's just sad. And then the next time I saw them after that, it was just like, God, you know what? I love the Ramones, but this is just sad. You know, but by that know, time, Joey had kind of stopped singing, like, and they played yeah, the songs too fast. Kind and, of barking. You know? Yeah. And it, it just wasn't the same at all. But so. they had that, you know, I mean, just, they dropped that big backdrop. You yep. know, this is in the theater. They had that big oh, yeah. NYC backdrop, and it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting to see this. It's so cool. And they got the pinhead comes running out and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it, it was it did. It was amazing. Yeah, it did give you a thrill and stuff like that, for sure. But that was, I thought, when Social D were at the height of their powers. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I saw him twice in that tour, one time headlining at that old gothic theater that we talked about in the last episode, and that was, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was so good. Yeah, I mean, that was a... That uh, was Reverend a Horton, he'd opened that show, our our mm. friend Matt's favorite artist. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I've seen Reverend Horton Heat so many times, but I've never been impressed, not once have I particularly enjoyed, um, enjoyed you know, it. I've I've seen him a few times over the years, and I don't mind it. He's a, he has a, he's a pretty good draw here, but it's uh, it's become a little bit Vegas, yeah, it's not a lot of spontaneity in the show you know yeah they, and 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 too polished and when he plays it'll be you'll see some of the rockabilly crowd from chicago will be the only show they'll go to all year um, yeah so that kind of annoys me too so um anyway so are we done talking about the uh, well, yeah what, what what ramon's uh song are we gonna play so this was so difficult right i mean how the hell do you choose one yeah. ramon song out of their catalog but i wanted to do one that wasn't obviously off the first classic three albums so um i've actually yeah, God chosen forbid you pick one of the best ones Neil. well but you know what i mean i mean everyone's yeah, I heard those so um sure. i'm gonna do a song off the fourth album road to ruin i'm gonna do bad brain so uh great song yep so bad uh, bad brain from the ramones I used to 
Bad Brain. And, uh, and of course, we all know, I mean, that album came out in 78, and that's where the uh, Bad Brains got the name from. You know, yep. think and the were... first the first Marky album. Huh? What? The first album that Marky played on. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. The beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, yes, when he was just getting fitted for the wig. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's a great album. That's uh, I think I have it on yellow. It came out on yellow vinyl in England, and I've uh, I got it on yellow vinyl, and it was absolutely hmm. amazed. That might have been the first colored vinyl I ever owned, at least for an album. Hmm. So yeah, I I actually do love that album. I got a lot of, a lot of love for that album. Oh, Neil, I'm afraid we're going to get controversial now. Uh, Give us your your very controversial choice for us. <laughs> well, I have a couple. So, um, screwdriver, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> amazingly, amazingly, no, I did not. I did not see screwdriver in the early days. No, no I did not, not for lack of trying, though, right? No. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if after they went Nazi, I don't even know if they toured. To tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, no, my ass. Apparently, is... they should have should have stayed away from cars in general. Yeah, <laughs> vehicles in general. Oh, but boom, Ooh. rim shot. Yes, love yeah. it. Um, I, I mean, uh, probably like ten percent of the people listening to this will will get that joke, but yeah, yeah, probably right. No, because probably everyone that listens to us is older, and they'll they'll get that joke. Yeah. Um, but of course, you could make that same joke about Stiv. So let's not let's not go. Uh, yeah, you had to go there. Um, no, my asses. So I had Susie and the Banshees. Because I saw Susie and the Banshees a couple times, but I have to say, live they were n- at least when I saw them, because um, they changed lineups a lot. Because I think Susie was a physically difficult person to to deal with. So, what, did she have a like a a person that was always with her? Or was yeah, she... yeah, the, yeah. The bass player Steve Severin was always was always with her ah, from the very very early. He's a bass player. He's just happy to have any gig at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, on the shit, the first gig said Vicious played drums, you know, so they've been through numerous drummers um, until they ended up with Budgie from Liverpool, actually, funnily enough. But um, I think the first time I saw them, I was still in high school, so that would have been like 80, 80 or 81. And then I saw them again in Manchester in 82, I believe, and they were never particularly good live. The times I saw them, they were never, she was always crabby. Like, people would yell out songs like they do, and she'd actually yell back and say, I'm not going to play that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was weird. Um, did you, did you, did your daughter go through a stage, or did you go through a stage where you watched the Harry Potter movies? Yes, of course. I Why? can't see Susie Sue without thinking of Bellatrix Lestrange, <laughs> who was played by. Tim Burton's wife in real life, right? What's her name? Yeah, um, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, 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 with the crazy hair. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I think Susie was a bit taller than her. I think Susie was. Could be. I, yeah, I was about five ten. You know, but... I have like a best of Susie and the Banshees, and I do enjoy it. Yeah. You know, Hong Kong Garden or whatever. Yep. You know, I don't whatever the songs were. I don't know them all, but you know, I thought I thought it was kind of cool. But yeah, it never. Uh, you know, now that I'm older, maybe I should go back and listen to it again. But it didn't really strike much of a chord with me when I was younger. I think Mrs. Troma might actually like, especially some of the later stuff, because they went maybe very, no. very different. And that was one of the problems. So when I saw them, it was um, which album had just come out? Like the fourth album that had the big hit Israel on it and mm. uh, Arabian Nights or whatever. It's so not they that big of a hit. So yeah. they were they were starting <laughs> they were starting to move away, certainly from a punk sound. And um, but, but you know the punk sound wasn't. It was sort of clangy. I mean, it was sort of a. It was it was it was very early post punky sound actually. Yeah. It was I yeah. Mean, it was like sparse and uh, yeah. What did we talk unusual. about last week? We talked about um, killing joke. Yeah, killing joke. Yeah, yeah, 
you yeah. know, it's just sort of like if you had to make an album just banging on things in your house, you know, what would that album sound like? <laughs> Maybe Susie and the Banshees. I don't know. Uh, so, but a lot of punks will go, still going to see her because of the name. And so they were the ones calling out for like Hong Kong Garden and stuff. And I think that's what got her angry. And then she mm. started yelling at him and stuff. So that was good. But anyway, I'm not going to say Susie and the Banshees. It's amazing. Our stories about what we're not yeah. going to tell stories about are longer than the stories yeah. about what we are telling stories about. Well, this one, this one might take a while. So get seated, everybody. So I'm firm. I'm firmly wrapped around, have pillows all wrapping around me. I'm all right. I'm so I swear I hear somebody in the distance mowing their lawn. I want to go punch him in the head. Dude, I saw a guy just outside. Just snowed. I saw a guy outside today in shorts and sandals. It's like it just uh, snowed. It's 35 degrees. You should never degrees. wear sandals anyway, people. But Yeah, idiot. Um, so <laughs> let's see. This would have been, let's see, what year was I in college? 81, 82. So this would I have, have been. I have to go take a piss while you're telling the story? Or yeah, what? you probably do, actually. So this would have been late 81. Um, Richard Helen of Voidoids are coming into town. Hmm. Richard Helen of Voidoids. Oh my God! You know, original New York punk. Um, yeah, who the, the, the arguably who Malcolm McLaren stole his. Yep, his whole Sex Pistols watch, stuff his safety yeah. pins, all that stuff. So I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going to that to play in a small club in Manchester. I'm going. Hmm, who's this opening up? Hmm, this new Manchester band called the Smiths. Never, hmm. never heard of them, but uh, let's go and see what that's about. So. Yeah, I saw it was the Smiths, I think. Oh, wow, that's a weird second, combo. Second or third show of all time, um, that one was. It was at Rafters in Manchester. Um, the Smiths warming up for Richard Holland of Voidoids. Um, I think the thing was there, uh, Morrissey was a huge New York Dolls fan. And so he had contact with some other people in the New York scene, I believe. Mm. And that might be where they got the opening to open up for Richard Holland of Voidoids. Because, yes, that is not a ideal. I mean, I mean Smiths thinking... were never a punk band, per no, se. I mean, there's always not. been a, a, some crossover there. but Right. I mean, and this is before they had anything out. This was a, at least a year before the first single came so out. So was right? it a little rawer than the actual product when they put out a record? It probably. was, and they probably only played about six or seven songs, to be fair. Hmm. Um, I do remember them because they were... Vis- were they selling hot dogs at the venue? <laughs> Uh, no, but it was a, it was a traditional, um, uh, Manchester punk venue. So I'm sure there was a lot of people in there sniffing glue and stuff like that. So, so, so Morrissey, but of course, Morrissey was just a young guy. He didn't have the power to, you know, have all sales of meat products banned at his, his well, gigs yet. They just looked like students. I mean, at that huh. point, they just looked like students. They looked like students who dressed in like secondhand clothing and stuff like that. They did look good. They all had a very good huh. look. I have to say that they had their shit together. And Were they good? Um, I was, I wouldn't say they were good, uh, musically. It was, certainly wasn't what I was going for. I was going to see Richard Hell, right? But, mm. um, I do remember being taken by the, by the look and Morrissey was selling, he, I guess he did some kind of book about, um, James Dean. Um, and he was selling that after the gig. Or was it something about the New York Dolls? I, he was selling a book anyway, or some kind of put-together fanzine thing. He was selling that after the show, so... Um, you didn't buy it? No, I, I did not. Boy, I, that would be something to have now, especially if you had him sign it or something, huh? No, dude, I was all about Richard Held. As soon as they were done, I moved right to the front of the stage sure. and was there for Richard Held. So, so let me ask you this. Yes. Could you tell that there was something there? Could you tell that they were? there's a pretty good chance there were going to be something special? Uh, Yes. Just and his voice already, I'm sure he already... Yeah. I mean, his voice was probably amazing at that yeah. point. It's only gotten worse over the years, but <laughs> he was, he was so well, no, but I mean, when you're young, obviously you have, no, you know, dude, as good as it's going to get. His new album just came out. His voice sounds yep. stronger than it's ever been. His voice so, okay. is amazing. 
So how many times did you see the Smiths? Then? That was it. That was the only time. Oh, I that saw was the it. No, and that was it. Wow, because they went into the at least mid eighty, at least maybe late eighties, right? So here's me being the being the contrarian. I was a, I was a punk rocker at that point. I was like, this, this, I don't want to listen to this. You know, well, if all the other yeah. students liked it, I had to dislike it intensely. So right? you haven't been suicidal since 1981. Or <laughs> <something>. <laughs> so, so I always used to make fun of all my friends back then for, you know, for liking the Smiths and stuff. And then when I was uh, down at U of I in like 85, then I discovered them and I'm like, holy shit, I was an idiot. You know, hmm. what the hell was I doing? So, and then the it became a, but, but I think, Personally, I'm one of those people that think Marcy's solo stuff shits all over the Smiths. So, really, yeah, oh, sure. without a shadow of a doubt. Hmm. I mean, it's it's just jangly pop, basically. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not educated enough on it to say either way. I have a minor interest in the Smiths, and I have a minor interest in Marcy's solo stuff. I have a handful of, I actually have a few Marcy solo albums. See, there you go. But, See, his solo stuff is so much more. Um, but it was all like real early '90s stuff, like uh, it sounds like the rockabilly, the rockabilly stuff, right? Yeah, Kill Uncle, like that era. See, that's one of the things he's he's changed his band so many times. That's why his sound sounds so different. So every every album sounds completely different, which is why I like it. Whereas if you had one Smiths album, you kind of heard them all. I mean, I love the Smiths, but um, it's I think his solo stuff is much better. Anyway, mm-hmm. enough about me blabbing. How about you? What's your ask, boy, buddy? Boy, I'll tell you what. I was just thinking about my story here. And once again, I am coming full circle on so many things. Like, if this was our last episode, we've tied up so many loose ends. Like, uh, you know, you, you hate it when you're watching a show and it ends and some of the characters are kind of left dangling. So, so obviously, we've talked about the Sloppy Seconds thing. I've already talked about them yes, today. Yes, Tom, you have talked about Sloppy Earlier. Seconds. Don't make me talk about necros, Neil. <laughs> Don't make me talk about necros. But, uh, but actually, this story is about the kind of roots of my relationship with them. Uh, so oh, is, this, is this going to get dirty again? Do we need to break <laughs> out the, uh, <laughs> no, I had seen them once before at a, at a festival. And we actually talked to BA about this real briefly. It was called social chaos tour or something like that. And it was like 99. And there was all these punk bands stacked up on top of each other. Man, that, that, a, that is the most generic punk name of all time. But it was social really chaos. Great, but it was, Oh, it was such a great tour. Neil. It was such a great tour. Yeah, who, who else played? Oh, I don't remember. DOA, TSOL, the business. I mean, Whoa. DRI. It was it was loaded. All it was right. loaded. Yeah, that is loaded. It was great. It was like I said, late nineties. It was kind of that weird revival in the late nineties where all those eighties bands were getting back together trying to cash in on the sound that had been watered down by the next generation and was starting to sell. Yeah. So 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 anyway, yeah, so so there was this gonna be this festival in Grand Rapids at this little all ages club that was called Oh, what was it called at that time? It was called Skeletones. It was very popular with the kids. It was like <laughs> all the local kids now who are like 30 or under, their first bands all played at this place, right? Mm-hmm. It was a very welcoming environment, very uh, safe kind of place. But they were going to have this this record label that was from Atlanta. I think it was called Going Nowhere Records or Nowhere Records or something. Had moved to Grand Rapids and they wanted to have a big two-day festival. So they booked this huge, huge festival. It was really pretty cool. Like on Saturday night, it was Sloppy Seconds and the Independents. You know who the Independents are? I do. I've actually got something by them. They were yeah, very, Joey, they were Ramone. Un- Joey Ramone was their manager. Yeah, very underrated band. Very good. From New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Great band. So Sloppy Seconds and Independents were like the big Saturday night headline. And then Sunday night, I think it was like the Huntingtons who were cool. Ramones kind score. of Ramones band. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we were, we were totally stoked that Sloppy was coming to Grand Rapids, as you can imagine. My buddy Scott and I, who you know. And... It was it was like a Saturday, so I took the I took the day off. I'd been working on Saturdays, 
And we came downtown. Like, so what are we talking here? We're we talking two two thousand two thousand eight two thousand nine. Okay. The band had just put out the Endless Bummer album, which was their last studio album, I think 2009. Okay. And they just reissued uh, the 20-year anniversary of Destroyed. So they were having a little, little, you know, little mini revival. And uh, so, yeah, they were headlining this Saturday festival. So we show up in the afternoon because the thing's going on all day. And we do that thing happens where we show up and, like, we're the only ones there who aren't in the bands. It's just, like, bands sitting around all over the place, bands playing for empty rooms, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're like, ah, nuts to this because there was no booze at the venue because it was all ages. So we were in, it's in a real, con, real busy part of downtown where there's lots of bars. So we went out and hit a bunch of bars and got there seems in the to bag. Be a co- this seems to be a common thread through all your yeah. store, all gig stories is there's no <laughs> booze in the venues. What's the matter with well, Grand Rapids? Well, this was an all ages venue. I mean, now most of the, most of the shows are at bars for being honest, you know, right. so it's, it's yeah. different. And I'm, you know, an old geezer. But so, and we walk back and I noticed that the bass player for Sloppy Seconds is running the merch table, right? And there's nobody there still. I mean, if there's a dozen people that aren't in bands watching this thing, it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, so I start talking to Bo, the bass player, and he's a super friendly guy and we're getting along great. And he's like, hey, meet BA. Hey, meet Steve, my brother. And he was just introduced us to the band. And we just, we're just standing there BSing with him. And it was just a great, and we're like, well, I think we're going to go have a couple more, a couple more beers, you know, before you guys go on. And he's like, oh no, we got beer up in the. What? We got beer up in the green room. Come up and have some of our beer. Like, oh, sweet, man. So we go up there and they got a keg of beer, like in the back room. Mm-hmm. And so they'd given us beers, but somebody was also, they were also selling them for a buck of beer hmm. well, to some of the other people. And this, this becomes important later because you can get beer and give people beer. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't just sell beer. You can't just get a keg of beer of you know, course, and sit out in your front right, yard right. and sell people beer. It doesn't work like that. I mean, should it? Probably. It probably should work like that, but it doesn't. So, so we go up hmm. there and they're giving us beer off the keg and they're giving us beer out of their personal, like, you know. And and we just had such a great time getting to know the guys. And, yeah, I bet you did. And and you know we were, we were having a blast, right? And then it's it's Independence Place. So we watched them a little bit because I'm a little curious about them. And people are starting to show up now at the end of the night, right? So finally, it seems like it took Sloppy a long time to go on, but I, it, maybe maybe it was mostly in my mind. But we're waiting for him, waiting for him. Excitement's building. The crowd's finally starting to pack into this place, right? The band is literally about to go on stage. Comes out on stage. Haven't played a single note yet. Grand Rapids PD. Dude, everyone... This time, everyone, they everyone. are fully dressed, Neil. They look like stormtroopers. Full riot gear to break this thing up. And we're like, oh my god. So we walk up to the stage, and I'm talking to Bo, the bass player, and I'm like, man, it was really good to meet you guys. I mean, I wish we could have seen you play. I'm sort of bummed out, but, you know, it was... I think it actually was kind of cooler getting to hang out with you than even getting to see you play, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, just, just hang out for a little bit. Don't take off yet. Okay, so we kind of kick around, and the cops are throwing people out, and we're like, "Oh, we're helping, we're helping unload, or whatever." You know, we're just kind of hanging yeah, yeah. out. And in the meantime, some people were working feverishly behind the scenes to line up another place for the band to play. So there was this bar around town on the on the west side of town, not a, only a couple miles away, for being honest, that had agreed to let them play if they came over there. The band had already been paid by the promoter and all that, at least somewhat paid by the promoter. So, like, yeah, we'll do it as long as we can borrow equipment because their van was so packed tight. Yeah, they didn't want to unpack it again. Yeah. Didn't want to have to unload it again. So, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll make that work. So, 
we're still hanging out, Scott and I, and and they're like, hey, do you know how to get to this place? I'm like, oh, of course, you know, we know we know how to get everywhere. Like, okay, Scott, you jump in the van with BA was driving, believe it or not, which is I'm not sure that was a good idea or not, but listen, <laughs> I'm not. So Scott jumps into the van with BA, and uh, Bo jumps into my car, my little S10 truck that I had at the time, and we go over to the new venue. And it's like, wow, this is amazing, you know? This is really turning out to be a really adventurous, Oh, yeah, that's an amazing story, yeah. Evening, even though we hadn't seen him play a note yet. So we get to the the venue, the new venue, and we get there, and they just had their guitars, and they're going to borrow one of the other bands that played that night at the venue because it had all been arranged. And um, there's this ska band playing, like a traditional ska band, right? Like an old-fashioned ska band playing, and they wouldn't quit playing. <laughs> It just wouldn't complain. We were going insane. Like I wanted to strangle somebody. So finally they get done and they set up. So what time does sloppy seconds go on at this bar? One in the morning. Two a.m. Oh, for fuck's sake. It was either one thirty or two. I can't remember. Oh. But our, our last call is at two, two o'clock in Michigan. So they finally get to play. They play for a half hour. It is great fun. I must say chaotic much more chaotic than it would have been real small club, you know? So we're all kind of packed around the stage dancing and just having a wild, a wild time. And man, finally, you know, two thirty, three o'clock, whatever it is, we, they had to cut us off. You know, they had already cut off the drinking and then we finally parted ways and I actually heard that there was a, a kegger after that at one at somebody's <laughs> house. So I should have hung out a little longer. I think we could have made it last till like five or six o'clock in the morning. So why did the cops shut down the first one? Okay, so here's the great story. And I actually heard this from Cole, who was on just a few episodes ago from the Lippies. He was a bartender over at that bar. The owner of the bar did not like competition, and he found out that there was illegal beer going on and tipped the cops off. Oh, I thought you said that it was a all-ages thing. There was no drink in there. Well, we not the show ended up moving to a bar. Okay. But at the original venue was not supposed to have drinking, but there was drinking going on. Okay. Did you miss that part of the story? I, think I told so. them we had a, they had a keg, right? Which was no big deal. You can give people right. a keg here, but they were selling them too for like a buck a draft. Yeah. So it was basically an illegal speakeasy, and the cops came in and and shut it down. At least that that's that's the story. That oh, I so, oh, so so hold on. So which bar which bar was was uh, Cole working at? The other bar. The second. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I got confused there. I thought you meant he was at the first one. Gotcha. No, no. He, yeah, he's yeah. Second, that's that's what I learned years later, and it's it's kind of one of those crazy, great folklorish local stories, and probably five hundred people claim to have been there, and it was probably like fifty, you know. So you've told now. But then we saw them next time. You know, they kind of remembered us, and we just started. You know, yeah. basically, we got to know them just by going to see them a lot, and we, you know, developed a sort of friendship. I mean, not a help me move kind of friendship, but a, you know. I think they're usually glad to see us when we roll up. So now you've told stories about going to gigs the last couple of episodes, and three of them now have been like the band has either played like one or two songs or not played any songs at all. Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? Because it's more than just the the show, right? It is. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. Okay, so which which sloppy song? It's about a fellowship of like-minded individuals. The fellowship of the... So let's do... uh... Which one did I sing? Neil, I gave you a song. Come, oh, come back, back Tracy. Tracy. And this is not related to anything. It's just a great song about, you know, lamenting the loss of a 15-year-old adult film star. <laughs> if anybody knows the Tracy Lord story. Yeah, it's about Tracy Lord. So yeah. this is from their classic Destroyed album from 89. This is Come Back Tracy. Yeah. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, Tracy Lords. Yeah. I mean, obviously she had a career in the porn industry when she was underage. Right. And then they had to pull all her videos off the shelves. Um, but, uh, the reason I love Tracy Lords is because she was in one of my favorite movies. Um, she was What's in Cry Baby. I absolutely adore that. Do you really? Movie. Yeah, I, I absolutely never loved watched it. I heard it was. A, I heard it was not good. Oh, it's fantastic. Johnny it's, Depp, right? Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Of course, it's all like it's all you know rockabilly and stuff, and so I absolutely love it. You know, greases and all. I, I it's so I mean, it's tongue in cheek though. So if you go into it thinking it's going to be serious, then you're going to be you know you're going to be upset. But it's uh, it's like a, you know it's. Well, I think they made a musical of it, right? I mean, it is kind of a musical, so... Um, John Waters, so, you know, it's not going to be huh. serious, you know? It's uh, it's such a good movie, though. It's so kitschy, and it's fantastic. I absolutely love that movie. Iggy Pop's in it. Huh. In the movie. Known yeah. for his acting chops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if you've never seen it, seriously, put that on one night. You, everybody will love it. And But but Tracy Lords is in it anyway. Tracy Lords is huh. in it, and she's amazing. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, she, once again, you're, you're going to laugh here, but, you know, this is my age group, and my wife well, used to watch this show, and, and so I guess I sort of watched it religiously, too. Um, Melrose Place. Wasn't she on Melrose Place? Oh, was she? I don't know. Hey. No idea, dude. Mm, talk about rabbit holes, huh? <laughs> All right, forget it. What, what are does, we up to? What does that mean? That's sounded tease. dirty. Tease. We're up to tease. <laughs> yeah, what's your tea, buddy? Bring us out uh, of the gutter. Well, it's funny because, you know, I, I'm going to say TSOL, who I've seen quite a few times, who I actually love. Man, I should pull up my review I wrote of this show because I – so it was in Hamtramck, which is – Hamtramck is this little town that's entirely surrounded by Detroit. What's it called? Hamtramck? Hamtramck. It's Pol- it used exist. to be a Polish enclave. It's interesting because it's a Polish enclave, but it's become very, very Arab. So it's weird. So you got like a lot of – Catholic remnants, but then also a lot of Arab stuff. You'll be accused of being racist now just for saying that problem. Well, but the, you know, but the funny thing is, they seem to be pretty good at coexisting. <laughs> if we're being honest, Hamtramck. I mean, I'm not saying that Hamtramck is some kind of utopia, but it definitely they seem to be pretty good at the at you know everybody getting along. So anyway, but it's it's also safe by Detroit standards. To be in Hamtramck, you don't have the same imminent threat of death that you might if you're in. Yeah, some other, some other neighborhoods of Detroit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I took my like 15 year old daughter. She couldn't even drive. She might have been like 14. She didn't even have a permit or anything to see T- TSOL at Smalls, uh, which Smalls is a great venue, still around. Hopefully, still will be when all this crap is over with. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just a real cool show. I can't remember who. I think the Scandals from New Jersey opened. So and, how many years ago was this? Oh well, probably at least four or five, okay. four maybe. Okay, so was was TSOL touring with anything, or were they just doing a... I think they might have been touring behind that Trigger Complex album, which was the last full length they did, okay. which is really a pretty good album. The only time I've ever seen anything play, them play anything off it was that last time at Reggie's, because um, it has a lot of keyboard stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of hard for them to pull off live, um, but... They, uh, oh, they could bring a keyboard player with them. That's, but that's not unheard of. Well, but like a lot of... <laughs> Uh, older punk bands, their fans are older punk people, and all they really want to hear is like the first two albums. Right. So there's definitely some of that. Well, for all TSO, for... okay, TSOL Bull Weevils, I saw that was one. That was the one you couldn't go to. Dead oh, Kennedy's TSOL damn. man. Yeah. I'm looking at dude. That's funny. I'm looking at the TSOL reviews on punk news, and I'm literally responsible for like seventy percent of them. There you go. <laughs> well, so for, so for our English viewers or listeners or newer listeners who have no idea who TSOL is, just give us a give us a quick history of the band. Uh, well, they're they're a SoCal. 
I think actually Orange County band when they talk about this sort of violent uh, like beach suburban beach punks that showed up and kind of ruined the LA art punk scene. Yeah. TSOL were the main ones, yeah. So big dudes, Jack Grissom, the singer, is a big, big man. And the bass player, it's three of the four originals are still in the band. The drummer, the original drummer died, I think, in late 90s, early 2000s. But three of the four, and they're just big dudes, big physical, like, big mess you up dudes, right? Kind of dudes, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to, man, I cannot find the one I wrote. But anyway, um, but I just remember the joke I made. I made one of my favorite jokes at a punk news review that I wrote when I was at the end of the review, I wrote, you know, it's so hard to talk to your kids about, uh, necrophilia, but thank God we got a band like TSOL there to help break the ice, you know? <laughs> and these kids, he's talking about one of their most famous songs. Yeah. Code blue. Code blue. Which, which would be a fine song for us to play. But anyway, I, you know, it's, I, I never saw TSOL. No, I saw him. I've seen them quite a few times over the years, but I've definitely managed to see them quite a few times in the last few years, and they're they're a great band still. So if you get a chance to see TSOL, go see them. They're fun. They'll play Code Blue. Okay. <laughs> they will play Code Blue? Okay. Get to the mortuary. Yeah, okay. it's good stuff. Very good. Um, I thought maybe they'd be embarrassed by that one and they wouldn't play it, but yeah, Oh, he's, uh, he's embarrassed about nothing. That's true he's, enough, man. He's uh, Jack's a great. I would love man. Jack, if if anybody knows Jack Grisham, you should tell him to come on the show. I love I love that guy. He's such a live wire. He used to be real active on social media, but I think he kind of dropped off. But he's a uh, he's an interesting cat. Well, the and the one of the funny things about that is, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of the art punks and stuff um, blame them for um blame TS as well for bringing in some of the the more beachy kind of jock kind of guys into the scene and ruin, the ruin, ruining the, the whole violence. scene um <clears throat> and that's particularly evident in that um that book by john doe yeah about the early la scene yeah so the cool thing he gets, about, a, he gets a chapter john yeah. Gershom gets a chapter and he's completely unapologetic about it well, <laughs> that's why i love it we just wanted to be friends and they yeah. want to be friends with us, so we smash our teeth in the back of their heads. <laughs> yeah. Um, he wrote it. He has an autobiography too. It's called, uh, I think it's called American Demon. Mm. I think it's called American Demon. Man, I, I, I'm struggling. Um, I, I actually bought a copy from him at that Hamtramck show and he signed it. I have, I, I, you know, I've said this before. Once again, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm not huge into getting records signed, but usually if I do a book, I get, I get the book, book signed. So, Inside of the front cover, he wrote, you know, re, uh, be sure to read this in the dark or read this with the lights out or something like that. I can't remember. But it's a fun book. But it was it was his autobiography. But the way he dealt with sort of all his past indiscretions and violence was that he was a demon who was in a man costume. And he was he was born a demon and he was here to do evil work. And it was it was what? at the end of the becomes human. It's just it's like a it's like a, a whimsical take on his autobiography you, you think know? i'll give that one a miss <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty fun it's it's a fun book actually. it's pretty weird um yeah. all right well going we'll do in going back to early 80s american hardcore my tea is going to be and again i had a lot of teas i could have i could have done i could have done the toy dolls who they never tore but i did see Ooh, them you saw the toy dolls. Nice. i did yeah they toured in the mid 90s they played one chicago show um or obviously teenage bottle rocket who we all love and they were great live and uh, Tiger Army and stuff, but um, the one the T I'm going to do is Toxic Reasons. 
Oh, great, great Ohio band. Yeah, great Ohio band. Even though and I don't like to speak, I don't like to speak well of bands from Ohio, but they were great. I mean, and that, it's... In, that first album, Independence. I got the I got the Beer City reissue of it. It's such a great, great record. It is. It's a fantastic record, and it's funny how they come to be called a uh, Ohio band, though, because I think because... originally from Indiana or something. Because I Tufty's from Indiana, and okay. one of the guys is from Canada, and yep. uh, one of the guys is well, one of the guys is originally from England. So okay. that's why the original logo, which used to be on the back of my leather jacket, hand painted yep. by me, was like it was a it was a flag, flag breaking ball. into three. It was yeah. like the American flag, Canadian flag, British flag. It was a really cool logo. You know the fun the funny thing is, um, the, the the singer was like the larger than life character. He was a big dude. He's like six and a half feet tall. He was like a major physical presence. But he left, and the band went on and on and on. Right. But it wasn't the same. You know, they went a little more metally, like a little more crossover, but it was never quite the same after the singer left. But I know, like, more recent reunions, it was, like, more like a classic lineup with the original singer. Yeah, Bruce Stuckey was the, uh, it's one of the main guys, and then Tufty was the, was the, was the bass player, player was I Bruce believe. Stuckey. Yeah. Um, so, I saw them twice. I saw yeah. them in, ah, this is a funny story. But I'm gonna save it because I saw them play with Youth Brigade, so I'm gonna save it for my save, why. Save that, save that for next episode. Yeah, you but I but want more. But that one was in uh, this dive of an industrial town in England. It's a suburb of, it's a town by itself, but it's on the outskirts of Manchester called Oldham. Mm. And I saw them; those two bands played Oldham. Um, in this that would have been '84. Um, so I saw them play in, but then when I came back to the States in 85, they played champagne. They played like the YMCA or something. Las Vegas in the Midwest. Yeah. Oh no, no, that was, that was Logansport, Indiana. (laughs) So. Joliet's the, the Maui of the Midwest. Joliet. Logansport, Indiana is the Las Vegas of the Midwest. What is champagne? Champagne. The Alabama of the Midwest. (laughs) Champagne is just champagne, baby. Um, (laughs) no, I saw them play a YMCA or something in, in champagne. In, uh, so that would have been 85 or 86. Wow. You saw him play at the YMCA. Exactly. Uh, and the cool thing about it was... Cause you can spend that... the night and everything. You just brought your sleeping bag. You just... Well, well no, that, no, that was when... So I was living down in Champagne there, and I lived in the, the shitty guy house. And, oh, uh, we were having famous. A, we were having a party that night. And... I uh, was speaking to the band after the show and I said, you know, listen, I, you know, I just saw you guys last year in Oldham and they were reminiscing about that because they thought that was amazing that I, that I'd seen them there. And, uh, and I said, we're having this party, you know, if you want to stop by after the show and stuff, you know, stop by. And sure enough, they did like an hour later or a couple of hours later or whatever with, you know, at the party, the party was packed. The shitty guy house was packed. We had kegs and stuff and the fucking band showed up. And hmm. so we got to party with those guys till like two in the morning. It was nice. They were awesome, super cool guys. They they were super cool to me. Some of my friends didn't like them so much. We had this. Uh, <laughs> I had, I had this one skater friend who, for whatever reason, used to dress super preppy. Do, do people know? What, do people know what preppy means these days? I but, think so. I think it's still a thing. Anyway, he was a skater, but he used to wear like button downs. So he had like polo shirts, like the collar. Turned he was at, he, he was actually wearing a button down. Believe it or not, like uh, a, like an Izod button down or something, and like these uh, Argyle shorts or something. So he was super preppy. So the band were just ripping into him totally, and uh, so he he called them toxic weasels, which was funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was just a fun night. But man, that was uh, actually it was later than that. We were probably partying until about four because I remember the sun. Uh, well, later because the sun was coming up when they were leaving. 
Nice. So they could go to the next the next show, but uh, yeah, those were the days, right? When you could do that. Those were the days. They're just rolling yeah. out of your driveway of the blood alcohol content of point two <laughs> to drive four yeah. hours. Yeah. yeah, to the next show. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, the good old days. Yeah, but man, yeah, I have a, so I have always had a soft spot in my heart for for, for toxic reasons because of that, and so then like, and then like I say, I think as well they came to the party maybe because they had the like I said I had their their thing painted on the back of my leather jacket which they probably didn't see that much you know most people had dead kennedys or whatever you know on their yeah. leathers on their leathers and mine was that huge toxic reasons flag with the three different flags in it and uh god i love that fucking jacket it's it's funny because you were talking and, and we never did this and maybe we still will but because we're obviously you know from two continents you know one of your one of our original ideas for graphic your your idea more specifically was like a half american half yep british flag came from that punk, actually yeah the old punk till i die flag yeah um but we just instead are just continuing to bastardize the image of, of uh stiff baiters good old stiff yeah um so anyway so yes that was my tea with toxic reasons and so uh, what do you play i am gonna play one of the uh songs off that classic first album i think come from 82 i believe uh independence somewhere in there yeah and i am gonna play war hero ah yes i don't want to be a war hero yep so we'll hear War Hero, uh, Toxic Reasons. Funnily enough, they actually, uh, I think Bear City reissued that a couple years yep, ago. Yep, yep. Um, I was saying that's the version I have ever read. Red Beer City reissue, and then they... Oh, um, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the single, because that was their first 45. Oh, yeah, yeah, they might have done yeah. some singles too. Yeah. yeah, that was their first, 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 ugh, first 45 from 1980. That was their first release. And, dude, that goes for like, there's two on Discogs right now. $600 a piece. For that first seven inch, with right. two, with Even two too songs rich for your, your blood, huh? yeah, too rich for my blood. So, um, I might get the uh, reissue on Beer City for uh, yeah, for well, four, for four bucks. 
<laughs> I'm going to put it out there because I know some people who maybe have have influence on Beer City. I'm going to put this out there over the air, over the whatever this is. It's not the air, whatever it is. I don't know, over the Ethernet, Internet, that we would love to have Mike from Beer City on the on the show, and we're going to try to talk him into it. So yeah, I, I've been in contact with him. He's, he seems a little reticent. So tell him that we're fun guys and that, uh, you know. Dude, because it's a perfect fit, too, because I'm an old skater, so I know they have the skate division. Punk and, and skating, Midwestern, yeah, It everything. fucking hits it everything. Check, checks all our boxes. It does. So uh, it would be so, a, it would be perfect for that. So, so, uh, we're, so we're, we are through the T's. We are three quarters of the way through this thing. I hope everybody's been enjoying our little walk down memory lane, at least until we can, you know, make make some new memories. Makes, yeah, uh, real, yeah, right. Make some new so memories. So like I've noticed a bunch of, you know, some new likes and some new... Uh, new stuff and new messages and stuff. So keep them coming. Our email course is punk till I die 77 at Gmail and the punk till I and punk till I die podcast on, uh, on the old Facebook. On, yeah. yeah. So we try, we try to respond to all messages. I mean, sometimes we get a little behind, but we, uh, Hey, we appreciate the good words and, uh, appreciate the, uh, continued support and i know a lot of you have a lot of time on your hands so we'll uh, try to especially especially thanks to those of you who i mean we what do we we got to be like 45 hours into this thing at this point right i mean this is number 30 they're averaging at least an hour and a half a piece between 45 and 60 hours i would imagine just, yeah 50 just hours never, just never get tired of hearing our own voices yeah you can listen to us for a full two days how's that yeah, yeah exactly just don't sleep just stay <laughs> up and do cocaine and listen to the punk till i die podcast no oh, hold on a second there is one thing i want to talk about about for toxic reasons just to go back to that oh, geez, so you know this is your specialty once we move on you double back that's kind of become your your signature move so the third single now this no <laughs> no ignore me. i love it no go ahead dude. this is no but this is really weird so the yeah. third single so i'm a huge toxic reasons fan Right yeah. at this point, this is eighty four, eighty five, and I'm back yeah. in England. So I was back in England from eighty three to eighty four, okay. and uh, you know I'm in a so I'm a, from a suburb of Liverpool called Wallasey, yeah. and um, I see the third single, "God Bless America," is on oh, yeah. is on a label called Skysaw, which was out of Wallasey. Huh. I'm like, Never. what are the what are the chances of that? Like, did somebody see my leather jacket? And say, who's this band? <laughs> oh, maybe we should sign. So you're, so you're officially taking credit for the fact no, that, d- uh, dude, it's really weird, though. I mean, it's, well, it, it's really weird that uh, it's, it's funny because okay, they had a British member. I don't know which which member, but they definitely always kind of had a British strong member. influence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep your British member in your pants, buddy. <laughs> the uh, but they always uh, had that kind of oi. You know, you could tell, like, you know, bands like maybe Sham Sixty Nine or Cox Bar or something. You could tell they were influenced by that sound, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was it was almost like a perfect hybrid of like that, you know, the American hardcore, or the Midwest maybe American hardcore, and like that that English English sound, and even even a little like dub reggae. I mean, that what's the song? Yeah, the, yeah, the, they did Ghost Town. It was Ghost Town, like yeah, a, yeah. Like yep. And and you know, I'm not a big fan of that music, but I do like that song. Plus, it kind of kicks in at the end, which is always cool. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, I dig that sound. And well, and once again, back to Beer City, they really have a good ear for bringing these bands, you know, reissuing these kind of classic punk bands that have, you know, slipped through the cracks. And they usually do it the way you like, which is just kind of straight reissue rather than you know trying to give you a bunch of extra. No, that's true. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, so, all right. Well, now we will, unless you have something else you'd like to. And let me tell you another thing about uh, that <laughs> there, Smith show. Oh, and also <laughs> that Ramon show. I went to in 1970. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, but yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back. I, I suspect the next episode we will have a guest. If we don't, we might take a break from this anyway, just to give you all a break. 
just to break things up a little bit. But, yeah. you know, we will be back. We won't leave you hanging. Maybe we just make people wait like two months before we go through the U through the U through Z. But no, we'll uh, we'll be back at you soon. Everybody stay safe and yeah. uh, we'll see you once, you know, once they lift the clamp down. Yep. Stay safe. Stay free. Bye bye.